This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Practical Spirituality here at Asha Torah in the old city of Jerusalem. Overlooking the Temple Mount, may it be soon rebuilt. Amen. <laughs> what we're doing this week is we're, we're talking about mastering free will. And uh, I know this is a terrible beginning to a class, but... I'm hot. You make a lot of choices, and and basically your whole life's going to come out positively or not so positively based on the choosing of your life. Um, and one thing's for sure is you ain't no victim. Okay, you are not a victim, and if you've been playing the victim card, you're going to lose the game of life. So I don't know who drop kicked you when you were a kid, but you know, as a rabbi, you know, obviously my job's to comfort the afflicted. So I'm sorry you were drop kicked, and you know I feel really bad for you, and it must have been hard. And but the other job is not just to comfort the afflicted; it's also to afflict the comfortable. And some of us have gotten comfortable with blaming our upbringing and blaming our parents' dynamics and blaming all kinds of stuff, and. And kind of making our choices from that that lousy place of that complaint about our background, about our childhood, about stuff that happened. And obviously the whole point is to free ourselves of that and to move forward. Now, the uh, yesterday what we handled in free will of the five ways of mastering free will, what we handled was constant choosing. And we did a lot of nice work yesterday in just being in the moment and making that choice. So let's practice that, everybody. Everyone, I want you all to pretend you're in your hometown and someone just handed you a, a pill and said, if you take this pill, you wind up in Jerusalem. I want you to choose to be in the city right now. Not, I don't care that you woke up here. I want you to pretend you got the choice all over again. Ready? One, two. Wait, close your eyes. One, two, three. Open your eyes. Choose it. Choose it. Choose your mom. Choose your dad. Choose your spouse. Choose the person sitting next to you. Everyone look at the person next to you. Whoa, that's awkward. (laughs) Choose that person. Choose to sit there with them. Choose choose the group. Look around the group. Choose the group. I'm teaching this class. You know, I don't want to just be on a schedule. I want you to choose to be with me this hour. Choose to be with me. Okay, that's that's constant. Now we're on number two. Number two is reevaluation. Reevaluation is, I think it's obvious to everybody that if you can't reevaluate previous choices, you're not much of a master of free will. This class is on mastering free will. Well, if you can't reevaluate previous choices, you know, good luck <coughs> mastering free will. That means you're robotically held to previous decisions. And that's, that's robotic and it's a slavery to the past. Now, reevaluation, though it takes a lot of courage, it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to change anything. Like, for example, reevaluating my Judaism, the, it's highly likely I'm going to stick with it. But if I don't reevaluate it, if I don't look at it fresh and ask myself, am I in? on certain specific days, or maybe even every morning when I go into that mikvah. Because am I really a Jew when I go into the mikvah in the morning? I like to do this goy meditation, where I go into the mikvah and I'm a goy. 
And the truth is, every day we make a blessing. Shalom Asani Goy, that did not make me into a Gentile. Why? Why are we making a blessing? Why didn't you say positive? Say the positive side. Shasali Yehudi, that he made me a Jew. Why do I have to say that he didn't make me a Gentile? It sounds negative again about Gentiles. And the answer is that it's the morning time. We'll see if you're a Jew. We've got another 17 hours to go to be able to say a blessing like for making me a Jew. But a Jew is someone who chooses every day and chooses every minute and is involved in a constant choice. And so, yeah, I'm not a Gentile, but only at the end of the day we could see if I was a Jew. And when I go into that mikvah, because that's where Gentiles become Jews, is they have to convert through going to mikvah and taking on the commandments. So I go to the mikvah every morning. So when I'm under that mikvah, I do this, this, like, who says I'm Jewish? Dunk. Okay, I'll die in here. Coming out. Okay, life going down. I'll die in here, but what's life about? Connection. I'll die in here. What kind of connection? Connection to God. And then, well, Gentiles can connect to God. This time I come out with a big, giant Y on my T-shirt. that says, Super Yehudi. Or J, Super Jew. Yeah. And then I, then I live the day as a Jew. But we got to reevaluate that stuff. And we also got to reevaluate our marriages. And reevaluate how, how we've been interacting with our parents. We've got to reevaluate career. Raise your hand if you've ever known anyone who switched careers later in life. Raise your hand if you know anyone. And I want to, don't want an L, I want a Vov. Okay, raise them up high. Come on, do some aerobics today. Okay, raise your hand high. Now, keep your hands up if they were happy they did so. Okay, put your hands down. What you just saw, and you didn't get to see that live, but... There were about, I don't know, maybe 20 hands up and everyone's hands stayed up because it went well. It went well. And yet so many people, millions of people, billions of people are locked in to careers that are not their career. It's just they're not in the right spot. They're not in the pocket of what they came here for. And therefore, they've learned to monetize themselves with some career, but it's just not their spot. And they'll stay there until they die, but they probably will die way before they die physically because they're involved in hours and hours and hours and hours a day out of the zone. And therefore, reevaluating may mean a change. For example, all the people raise their hands for those people who reevaluated and changed their career later in life, that did bring a change. And they're happy that they made that change, even if it meant relearning something. There are two pitfalls for reevaluation. Pitfall number one for reevaluation is, is uh, you know, what we just discussed is momentum. Momentum of past choices, robotically just going in the ways of how we have gone till now. So that's the number one pitfall: is to just keep keep doing what you were doing. 
You've got to be able to reevaluate. And again, I'm telling you, you can stick with it. I'm not, I'm not meaning me reevaluating my marriage doesn't mean not being married anymore. Or me reevaluating my Judaism doesn't mean that I'm not going to be Jewish anymore. It just means that I'm hitting the refresh button. And I'm kind of reapproaching things in like new angles that perhaps I hadn't thought of before. Or perhaps there's aspects of my relationship to God, Torah, wife, mitzvahs, neighbors, whatever it is, neighborhood I live in. That's a macro choice. Is this the right neighborhood for me? I got to reevaluate that thing. And then it is fresh. Pitfall number two in reevaluation is the pitfall of looking good. Looking good is the second pitfall of reevaluation because because uh, you really don't care that much about your free will. What you do care much more about is how you look. And when I say look, I don't mean physically. I also mean physically. But I'm talking about like, what I mean is how you're coming off. Is that clear? How you come off for others. That's really important to you. And I understand that. It's very important to all of us. All of us are a little insecure. And we'd like to know we, you know, we need that pat on the back. We need that, that um, uh, encouragement from our family, friends, community. And so... But we really get hell-bent on looking good <laughs> to the point where we won't even reevaluate. And in fact, reevaluation, you'll notice, does ruffle the feathers of our people that, that are our, they are our, um, uh, what would you call it? What's a good word for it? The, the people, what? Yeah, but much more, our supporters. The people who support us. We're, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're highly insecure people. I mean, I mean, just think of your own identity. I mean, is there anyone here willing to raise their hand and tell me they know who they are and then explain it? Anyone willing to do that? Raise your hand, tell me who you are and then explain who you are. Two people. Beautiful. We'll start with Kesem Yosef. Who are you? I don't mean your name, but who are you and, and explain it. Soul and some kind of consciousness that's observing reality through a vessel that exists in space and time. <laughs> I spaced your name. What's your name? No, yeah, no me. What's your last name? Hamburger. Hamburger? Hamburger. Bamberger. Why no Bamberger? Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Nomi's turn. Who are you, Nomi? And and explain it. I tell the soul, um, currently existing in space and time, but also outside. <laughs> 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 the only answer. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. They nailed it. And I'm sure all of you were going to say that too. <laughs> but if you weren't, you're in some kind of constant identity crisis where you need constant encouragement of who you are. Um, can I just tell all of you something? If you weren't the people who raised your hands and said that, like, like those two participants, you must get there. 
or you're going to have a hard life. If you want to spend your life dependent on people giving you feedback on how you're doing, it's going to be really hard. I mean, your life will be hard. And there's going to be a lot of disappointment, a lot of sadness. And it's going to be nerve-wracking. Because you can't be guaranteed that someone's going to pat you on the back along the way. All day. All more, you know, every morning. So you need to get to that soul space. Because when you generate from there, you're what's called self-generated. Everyone try that term. Self-generated. Self-generated. You did a lousy job, except for you did a wonderful... What's your name again? Aviva. Aviva did a great job. Everyone please say self-generated. Self-generated. Okay. What's the opposite of self-generated? Others-generated. Okay. Which one you want to be? Self-generated. You want to be self-generated. And by the way, self-generated means that you're coming from the soul, which means what's really generating you. You're God-generated. Once you're self-generated, meaning you're from the true self, which is the consciousness of your soul that's in you, and you're actually aware of it right now. So once you're generating from there, you're in true self, which is really generated by God, and that's, that's a wonderful place to be, and you need a hell of a lot less makeup when you're God-generated. And you don't need to have as much... Um, you know, it's just cheap. It's just cheap. As long as the car gets you where you're going, you're good. And that includes your body. That includes your vehicle. includes your home. You can just keep it simple. And, and you'll be happier, if not happy, which is a lot better than happier. Anyone want to be happier this year? Yes. No! You want to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys all fell right into my trap. Which, by the way, since you fell in that trap, I'll just talk about that for just a minute, is the fact that many of you actually fell into my trap of wanting to be happier. You have to realize that you don't really want to be happy. Otherwise, you would have said, no, you don't want to be happier. <laughs> See, the words happier means I want to be unhappy, but less unhappy than last year. But for some reason, unhappy really works for you. I don't know what it's getting you. It's maybe getting you more attention or more love or, you know, someone's, someone's helping you out by you being unhappy in some way. So it obviously serves you, but be careful of those traps. Anyone want to be happier next year? No. Say no. No. Oh, no. no we, uh, we want to be happy. Say we want to be happy. Participate. I want to be happy. Try it together. One, two, three. I want to be, be happy. happy. And want to be healthier next year. A lot of people sabotage their health. You get a lot of attention if you're sick or you got a headache, stomach aches, catch colds. People start rallying behind you. But in the end, you're just a victim of a cold. So what's the point, you know? And it's not like people aren't going to rally behind you when you're doing great. You know, people are happy to rally behind you even when you're doing great. It's just a kid's way of letting busy parents know that you're still, you still exist. But 
many people let that follow them into adulthood. And they keep catching colds and sabotaging their immune systems and keep serving them as adults. Just as a funny aside, husbands learn quickly when they get married, don't ever get sick. Because husbands are very excited to get sick for the first time after they get married. Because they've been like missing their mom forever. You know, however many years you've been out of the house, you've been missing your mom. And you finally got someone to nur- like nurture you. So you like, you're so excited to have your first cold. And your wife just kind of looks over at you and she's like, I married a lemon. <laughs> and she gets like all insecure. And like, she literally has to like go, she, she almost has to look it up on Google. Sick husband. <laughs> if a child's sick, she's right there. I mean, it's like all the nurturing just comes out. Husband sick, you're going to have to Google that. Figure out what, what do you do with that? And so husbands learn really quick. Never get sick. Like sick's just not part of your repertoire because it's just not going to be worth it. And the uh, and uh, well, let's get a, a poll here. Everyone think about your fathers. Okay, raise your hand. Did your father get sick? Like, did he catch colds? Meaning often, or or maybe he got like a cold a year when he just his immune system got wiped out from some trip or something. Okay, raise your hand if your father got sick. Raise your hand if your father just did not get sick. It's about half and half. Anyway, but the one thing I realized later in life that daughters are amazing if you get sick. Daughters are just all too excited to take care of you. Because daughters are always in this massive competition with their mothers for their father's attention. And the mother always elbows you out, but when your father gets sick, you've got a chance there. Because mom's just, the more sick he gets, the more insecure she gets. Whereas if you're the daughter, you get to like just totally take care of him. And it's, and it's wonderful. But I feel so bad for girls because they finally get their own man. They finally get their own man, and all he wants to do is conquer the world outside the house. Because you're, you're conquered already. You're wearing a wedding ring. So, like, he's done with that. Now he's going to go, like, get rich or get known or be this, like, you know, big guy. And, and you're still competing. Before you competed with your mom, now you're competing with his career. And so it's like... That's why we have another bracha that's Shaloa Sunny Isha. <laughs> I'm not even translating that on my live feed. <laughs> what? Don't do it. It's yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. So we say every day that God didn't make us a woman. So, so then why don't we just say for making me a man if it's such a good thing? And the answer is that to be a man is tough. It's, it's hard to be a woman, but a man it's tough because you've got to go out there and man up in so many ways to like feed the chicks at home and pay for the mortgage. And there's like all this like, you know, the world out there is pretty dangerous. As far, I don't mean physically dangerous. I'm talking about like, it's just scary out there. And men have to go do that. But if you've noticed, have you noticed like men keep getting like tighter and tighter pants and, and they're like, and they're like, they're starting to wear like knickers and like, and like pink and purple socks and stuff. And, and then they're like, 
they're never getting married because that would be too scary. And so they're just kind of staying in their parents' home into their 30s. And, and they're like, meaning, meaning really deep down, every man just wants to curl up into a little ball and be held and not have to go do that, not have to go out there. And, and so we really are, when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we want to do is go back to sleep, us men, because we just don't want to go out there and deal with it. And, uh, and so we really do want to stay at home. We want to be home husbands. And so we wake up in the morning as women and we make a blessing. Well, Shaloh Asani Isha, we have another 17 hours to figure out if we can be a man. <laughs> We've got a 17 hour man contest. We can get our, you know what's out of bed and go do something out there and move our bag of bones around and maybe someone will pay, actually pay us for it. Scares the daylights out of men, especially millennials, especially young people from this millennium. Super freaky. You can watch Jordan Peterson for that one. And, uh, and then the, uh, and since we're on this, Shaloha Sunny Avid, it didn't make me a slave. Well, that's mastering free will. Because if a slave doesn't have free will, a slave isn't a master of choice, a slave does what he's told. But a human being has free will and can make choices. So you have 17 hours to see how you choose to be a free person. But we don't say who made, we don't bless God for having made us free. We bless him for not having made me a slave. But now let's see if we can be free today and make good choices. So the other one is looking good. We are in a constant pattern. <laughs> that was like a really long parenthesis for how much we need others to like support us in who we are, <laughs> except for two, two participants in the class, which is Nomi and Kesem Yosef. Okay? Souls. Souls. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I just want to show you on a chart how this works. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a kind of an interesting chart. Not much of an artist, but I'll do my best. How many lines did I put? Nine. Nine? Let's go for ten. Okay, nine. <laughs> I ran out. So, uh, is there a center to this? Is that the center? One, two, three. One, two, three, four, five. Whoa. Not much of a center. Okay, that's more or less the center. Okay, so let's call this the center. And we have another color around here. Oh, here. Thank you. All right. Everyone watch this. This is freaky. I'm putting an X there. Why? Because you're from X neighborhood or X community. So your parents and your, you know, this is your like immediate family. Their exes. And then maybe a, there's a best friend in there if you have a smaller family. But, I mean, think about it. Your parents sent you. They had a lot of choices of schools if you grew up in a city. They thought, like, what city looks, what school looks at the world the way we do? You understand? X, 
Because there was Y way of looking world and Z way of looking world and A, B, C. Like, there are a lot of ways to look in the world. There's multiple levels of, of world views. But your parents sent you into education system X based on your family's worldview. Which is quite random, unless, of course, you're raised in Torah, which would make it not random. Maybe a little random for you, but, but it's actually, it's way more than random. It's something special. Anyway, but that's excellent. But chances are your parents moved to a, to a neighborhood full of exes. So that's all the friends and acquaintances in the world of exes in your city. And then, of course, there's just kind of people you peripherally know around there. And like the bigger area. I'm like wasting Asia Torah's ink here. Okay. Looks warm and snugly. You've got yourself perfectly surrounded with everyone who looks at the world the way you do. Which was very interesting because I, I had mentioned that there was a... I had a, a BDS explosion. Do you guys know what BDS is? BDS is the anti, anti-Israel anti camp that tries to get companies to divest and stuff. They're like pro-PLO. It's usually a kind of a left-wing liberal stance. You know, like, like the... It's like usually the LBGTQ community likes likes BDS, which means to boycott Israel, which is really interesting because the Palestine, how long would a would an LGBTQ last in a, in like the Palestinian territories? You know, it, well, right now they do very well, but but what if like they actually succeeded and this whole country was overrun with radical Islam? How how, how do they feel about them? How do you feel about left-wing liberals? Mm-hmm. Which, which is just so bizarre because it's like you might as well just put a swastika on your forehead. Because if you're willing to side with the people who would kill you just to be against the Jewish people, put just wear a swastika t-shirt. Like, why don't you just be real about it? You know, you're a Nazi. And so... And so it's like, it's a very strange movement that they don't notice that it's about themselves. Like, for example, Airbnb are BDS. So they, they, any disputed area of Israel, which are all like biblical lands, anything disputed in Israel, they won't list those addresses. Now they will because they got in so much trouble, but whatever. They, they weren't going to list those addresses. Meanwhile, it was proven that BDS lists addresses all around the globe, no matter what disputed territories. And they're like seven major disputed territories where they would never even dreamed of removing listings from. It would never have dawned on them. Oh, but Israel? Mm, there, we're going we're gonna to come out against the, the evil Zionist empire. Meanwhile, they're going to do all this on their smartphones developed in Israel. Now, that's, that's people who live in the X land. And I don't think any of you on your first day of school, you know, when you're in kindergarten, your parents were going to start your schooling in X school. I don't think any of you, like, stopped at the doorway. You know, your mother's taking you in. None of you stopped at the doorway and said, Mommy, I'd like to speak to the teacher. And your mommy brings out the teacher and you say to the teacher... Um, yes, I was wondering what it is you'll be teaching me and how do you know it's true? 
Do you do that in kindergarten? <laughs> it's my kind of girl. We got a rebel. <laughs> Except you were probably three or four, but I'm happy to meet a rebel. When did you finally stop going to school? How old were you? Oh, you stayed in school? Yeah. No, I left when I was 11. Yeah. I, left, I left at 11. And anyway, the... Which is why I'm up here and you're all sitting there. Now, watch this. Watch what happens here. Oh, is it? Oh, you can turn it from down there. The clip will slide a little bit. Now watch this. Teeny bit. Yeah, you got it. So watch what's going to happen here. Imagine the ex-young lady or young man, like, I don't know, bumps their head one day and decides they're leaving the world of X. They're buying themselves a plane ticket. They're going to leave, what was the Truman Show's little town there? Trumania. What was the name of this town? I forget what it was called, but they're going to leave. Smallville? Sunnyville? Sunnyville, What happens when X is going to leave Sunnyville and he or she is going to go out of there and go discover something about the world? Now everyone's going to be like, don't go, don't go, please don't go. Because it's like scary, you know, where are you going? What are you going to be discovering? Because like, can't you just keep it normal, please? It happened to me. I mean, I remember, I remember my first trip to Europe. When you go to Europe, people like, they think America is like the biggest joke in the world. And they've got a lot of America jokes, like lots and lots. And, and also jokes about the president. I don't remember who the president was at the time. Oh, it was George Bush Sr., Oliver Shalom. So it was, so there, there were like lots of jokes about the president, lots of jokes about America, lots of jokes about capitalism. It was like, now my first days in Europe, I was just like, was, they weren't saying them to me. I was just schmoozing with Europeans and they were telling the jokes with each other and cracking up over beer and spliffs. And they would, and they were, but they were just like going, I was like, couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I wasn't involved so much because I didn't want to like suddenly get attacked. So I just was kind of like, that's interesting. So I finally did talk to a few of them. And then two weeks later, guess who was telling jokes about America? Me. Because I just didn't realize because I lived in X. And suddenly I was in Europe, which was why. And all of a sudden, I got this perspective about the U.S. that things that U.S. people take for granted are not to be taken for granted so much. They're, they're not givens. It's just a given if you live in X land, which America is part of X in a certain way. Anyway, but you discover why. And then all of a sudden, you become a why. Well, I'll tell you this much. Stay out of X land if you're a Y. Because it's not going to be very friendly when you get back. Stay out of X land as a Y. You're not going to be like, people aren't going to be like so excited you came back. They'll be excited for like a couple hours, but then after a while they're just going to start getting uncomfortable. Because Ys aren't welcome in X land. Think about it, they're just as insecure about who they are as anybody. And so having Y come back is a little weird. 
So let's put Y here. All of a sudden, it's time to go home. And so Y comes home. And now you're Y in the middle of all those X's. You know what happens when you come back as a Y? You get attacked. When you come back as a Y, you get attacked. Now, do they know what they're talking about? Tell me, all the people attacking you, they have any idea what they're talking about? No, they don't know. Were they with you? Were they with you in Y-Land? No, they were not with you in Y-Land at all. They have no idea what they're talking about. Are they going to attack anyway? Yeah. Which is a little weird. You know, you ever got in an argument with somebody who had no idea what they were talking about? Actually, it happened to me earlier. <laughs> You're going to get attacked for being a why by people who don't even know what they're talking about. And let me give you a little hint. If that ever happens, the way you do it, it's kind of passive aggressive. But you say things like, gee, like, this is amazing. Since when did you become an expert in whatever why is? And they'll be like, well, I'm not really an expert in it. Well, you certainly argue as if you are, you know, like as if you really know what you're talking about here. Another thing you can say is, um, <laughs> another thing you can say, this is really harsh, but you say, you say, um, you know, it seems whenever why comes up, you get really uncomfortable. Maybe you'd like to talk about it. <laughs> and if not with me, perhaps you'd like to go see someone professionally. But, like, put it in their court. If you're getting attacked for being a Y, just throw it back at them. Like, like they put it in their court. You didn't do anything wrong for reevaluating your life. That's not wrong. It's good to reevaluate your life. And if they can't handle it, so throw it right back at them. Yes, in the back. Hey, I, I forgot your name. I haven't seen you in months. <laughs> What's your name? No, I'm Noah. Noah, yeah. Ooh. You know, asking such an anomalous question is, uh, I'm not going to answer that right now, but I'm happy to discuss any anomalies with people who have anomalies happening to them. Okay? Now, the... So you come back as a Y, they're all going nuts. Now, someone raise your hand and tell me, what's their problem with you? Not next. Not next. Okay, what's the problem with that? Yeah, what's the problem? What's the problem? Go deeper, yeah? Invalidate. I can't hear her. Insecure. Okay, insecure. Keep going, build that. That's your right. What's up? They're threatening their ego. Excellent. So let's go back again. People don't know who they are. People don't know who they are at all. So people will just like grasp at anything to become someone. And so they live these characters that work for their communities. And that's who they are. But it's not built on anything. It's, it's, a, it's, a, deck of, it's a house of cards. It's a sandcastle waiting for the next wave to come in. It's an insecure position. And so because they're... You know, they got a life full of standards and all kinds of ways of being and ways of looking at things. That's a, ho- that's a house of cards that can fall at any minute. And then you waltz in as a why. The issue for them is they don't know who they are. 
You see, this X person here, uh, this X person here, needs these X people. So you're probably focusing on you in the middle, but every person's an X in the middle of their system. Each X is in the middle. And so they require everyone to be X for them to be themselves. And so when someone plays the Y card, the X's lose their sense of self. They lose their identity. And when someone's losing identity, they go crazy. They start actually arguing stuff they know nothing about. They'll actually pretend to be experts, I mean, for about 30 seconds, because they don't, they don't know what they're talking about. They were never in the Y land. So they can't really have an argument, but they'll try anyway. Or maybe just to make you feel like a fool or, or embarrass you in some way or somehow knock you down publicly or something or in front of the family. Because they're just desperate to keep their identity, which means nothing anyway, their identity in general. And again, when we're talking about Torah identity, this holds true only as far as customs, family customs, you know, communal customs. Because go to the next observant community, the next Torah observant community, it's got totally different customs. So it really is X and Y the same. But the very base level of like keeping Torah, keeping Shabbos, keeping kosher, learning Torah, praying, doing mitzvahs, that, that's not the XY game. But all the outer fixings of it all, that's definitely the XY game in the Torah community. And by the way, Minhag's Kodesh, Minhag's Kodesh, you, you got to be very careful if you're going to take off a Minhag, even a little Minhag. I had guys at my house on Shabbos, Shabbos night, and uh, uh, someone debunked cutting off the ends of the challahs. You know, when you got your bread, your challah, you know, people cut off the ends of the challahs. So someone debunked cutting off the end of the challah. That is really just much more superstitious than based on any reality. And, and, the, uh, and then I said to one of the guys who said his father did it, I said, you keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Not that he really, really needs to keep doing it, but you better think twice before you start messing with your family's tradition. Your family's tradition isn't up for grabs, not for sale. These are, we're part of a tribe, and there's these little local tributaries of the tribe that have developed customs over, over millennia. So don't be such a, don't be so arrogant as to think you're going to drop a tradition. Women have this easier because you, when you marry, you automatically go to your husband's tradition. You go into his tribe. So there it's easy. You don't have to worry so much. But there are certain things your mother did that you should do and you shouldn't drop. That's the, that's the mother to the daughter, grandmother to mother to daughter, all the, that chain. You don't want to mess with that either. Don't mess with that stuff. You know, okay, if you're 40 years old or something, you've just like that particular, not 40, but let's say you're in your 30s and there's a minhog that's just ca causing you to break out in hives. Okay, so speak to a rabbi. Don't just drop it. Speak to a rabbi. Tell him you break out in hives every time you try to deal with this family's, this family custom your family's been doing forever. Don't just drop it because you're breaking out in hives. Go to the rabbi and say, I'm breaking out in hives and see what he says about it. Don't mess with the customs of tribes. That's not to be messy. National Geographic's always trying to protect tribes and their customs. Like, why shouldn't you protect your tribe and your custom? Now, the um, now I'd like to hear from all of you. What kind of character does it take 
to be a Y amongst the X's. We haven't even gotten there. Like, okay, why reevaluate it? They didn't worry about looking good for everybody. They came back as a Y and lived amongst the X's. Tell me, what kind of character traits does it take to be an to be a Y amongst the X's? Yeah. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.